Hello, Internet. It's Tori. You're listening to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. For updates on when episodes go live, follow us on Twitter and Facebook. To join the discussion, visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash CosmereCast, where you'll find an invitation to our Discord server. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy the show. Hello, and welcome to the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. I'm your host, Mike. Joining me this week are Dave. Yo. Tori. Hello, Internet. And that's it. Just us. Uh, we start every week with good thing. So, Dave, what is your good thing? My good thing this week is the album City to City by Jerry Rafferty. It's, uh, he's like, uh, you know, 70s Southern rock kind of guy. You probably know him for the songs Baker Street and Right Down the Line, both of which are on this album, City to City. The title track's also really good. I also like Home and Dry, Waiting for the Day. A lot of great songs on there and just like great vocals and solo guitar and works and the saxophone on Baker Street is pretty renowned. It's really good. Great album. Okay. I, I don't know that I, I'm sure I'd recognize the songs if I heard them, but just yeah, like, you would definitely recognize Baker Street and right down the line. Just, just hearing the titles. I don't think I know them, but I probably do know them if I heard the actual songs. I will link Baker Street in good things. All right. I will listen to that later when I, it won't help. Uh, all right. So my good thing this week is Stardew Valley again. Uh, there was a big, big update the the big 1.5 update and I've been watching um, Fruit Bats stream it and I've been playing along myself and it's great. There's like tons of new stuff. There's a new farm type. You can uh, randomize the the uh, bundles for the community center. It's really good. Like there's a whole new region of the world that you can go visit in the end game. There's an end game. In yeah. Stardew Valley? Yeah. There's always been an endgame in Stardew Valley. Maybe I should play it some of these days. You should. Pretty sure I own it. You probably do. It's been like on sale and highly recommended by a lot of people, so it's good stuff. Stardew Valley. Yeah, the only game like that I've ever played was the original Harvest Moon and the original Animal Crossing. I liked them a lot, but I just, you know, it's the kind of game that I know I'll play a lot of if I play and yeah, it's it's pretty easy to get sucked in into, uh, you know, playing one more day. Just like, yep. oh, I need to, I need to one do, more in-game day. <laughs> yeah, I need to do this and this and this. And whoop, day's over. Got to do all this stuff tomorrow. And it's two o'clock in the morning. I should go to bed, but I could just do one more day. I could, and yeah, for uh, for civilization fans, uh, it's it's the one more turn thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why I do not start games like that, because I know I won't be able to get away. I do own Stardew Valley. Oh, there's also a multiplayer that was instituted in the the previous big, big update, or like the one before it, I don't remember. But... Yeah, I remember a few different uh, invites from various people. So yeah, there is there is multiplayer, you can you can co-op a farm, it's, it's pretty good. Uh, so Tori, what is your good thing this week? Uh, so mine is a repeat also. I mentioned before that I enjoyed The Dragon Prince when it came out. Um, I'm not caught up on it. Uh, season 3 happened when I wasn't paying attention, so I decided to rewatch seasons 1 and 2 before I started season 3. And uh, season 2 is just so good. 
It's so good. Um, but yeah, next thing on my list is the first episode of season three. And maybe it'll be my good thing again after I'm done with season three. But Dragon Prince, uh, it's a Netflix original animated show. And it, it's just so good. All right. Uh, Dave, you're you're very Dragon Princeian. Do you want to weigh in here? Uh, season two was my favorite season so far. <laughs> Are you season also not good. caught up on season three? <laughs> no, I watched season three. I just liked season two better. It does an excellent job of... You know, making you sympathetic to the bad guy characters. Like, they're the villains, but they're not bad people, most of them. And uh, yeah, especially uh, Claudia and Soren, right? Yes, exactly. That is who I was thinking of. But but also the elves. Um, like you understand their motivations as well. But what they did with Claudia mm-hmm. and Soren in season two was just like, dang. Like even their dad. Like you kind of he. You know, he's a he's the hero of his own story, right? That is Viren. Very much. So, uh, Dave, you read some chapters this week, hopefully. Boy, howdy, did I. I read chapters 46 through 49 of Words of Radiance by... What's that guy's name? Brandon Sandpaper. Yeah, that sounds right. All right. Chapter 46. Patriots. Bean Carey. Red Spren. Herdazian Cousins, Shen Gets a Spear, Drinking Contest, Warren Yakoved. Thanks, Brandon, I want a Yiro now. If they soul cast meat, does that mean they have wooden stakes? Hold for laughter. Ha ha, ha ha ha. <laughs> uh, what a depressing way of saying the bar is crowded. No wonder Pete wanted to go to the ornery chole. Corn Eater Peaks are apparently Death Mountain. Sigzil is boring for a world singer. Moash's friends. Pretty light-eyed lady. Graves. It's surger in time. Storms. What a mess. All right. So Kaladin is finishing up his rounds, checking in on all the different bridge crews. And, you know, one one of the bridge crews has uh, Bean Carey every night instead of Stew. So, like, it's kind of cute how all the different bridge crews have their own identity and what their evening meal is. I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, I don't remember what red sprint are that was referring to. Some kind of sprint. Uh, Sil sees one. Yeah. What are they? Sil sees one. That's it. Okay. I felt like it It was, it hit me as something that I missed before or something. I don't know. Uh, we have the Lopens, got more cousins, and then... Uh, Kaladin goes up to Shen, and he's like, you know, I asked Dalinar if I could give you a spear, and he said, if I trust you. So here's a spear. And, uh, all right, so Shen's about to say something important sounding, but then Moash comes in, and he's like, all right, Kaladin, it's time to go out drinking. And he, Kaladin's like, I guess it wouldn't hurt to be a human being once in a while. So he goes out with his friends. And on the way, they eat more of those uh, chowders. And apparently the meat is soul cast. <laughs> At least according to Kaladin, he suspects that the meat in them is soul cast. Kind it's, of funny. It's literally the only way it could be that cheap. Yeah. It has to be soul cast meat. But, uh, as as is the case with many substitute meats, it's all in the sauce. Mm. And yeah, as long as you got a good sauce, it doesn't really matter what else you got in there. Uh, it matters a little, but, <laughs> but I mean, 
I don't know. I'll eat a hot dog without ketchup, especially if it's nice and burnt. Hot dogs are like one of the foods that I like really well done and burnt. Well, I like a Pittsburgh steak too, but that's rare on the inside. With a hot dog, you just there's the perfect crispiness of the skin. You got to get it right there. I like my hot dogs exploded. All right. Uh, so they go out drinking, and the Lopin and Numihuku Makiaki Ayalunamor are having like a drinking contest. Uh, but you know, uh, who you think's gonna win? The obvious choice, the big guy with two arms, so you can double fist him. And who's so? Uh, there's this other guy, Pete, who I completely don't remember, but he has a girlfriend who's a bartender at this bar they go to. So you know. Life's going on for all our all our bridge friends. It's pretty cool. And Kaladin's like thinking to himself, "Man, this place sure is crowded, considering like ninety percent of the population was wiped out a couple weeks ago." And I'm like, "Geez, what a that's a that's true, but it's a little depressing." And then Moash, uh, you know, of course he he wanted to bring Kaladin out to in order to uh, meet his assassin friends, so they sneak off. And they go talk to the assassin friends, but not before uh, Numihuku Makiaki Lunamore starts uh, telling about a little bit of the history of his land. And, you know, the gods, well, this and this Bren are their gods, the mighty Spren. And, you know, they're like, oh, we can't, we can't hide you in the forest. The humans would eat you or something. And then or the humans will chop you down and build houses out of you. If we hide you in the forest, something like that. But anyway, they get, they basically get, uh, <laughs> they basically get the gods of courage, wisdom, and power to all work together and make the mountains a suitable place to live for them. All right, so we go off into the back room, and uh, there's this guy Graves. He's like the leader of the assassin friends, and we also run into Danlan here, who I believe is one of Adolin's ex-girlfriends, and. Uh, Kaladin refers to her as a pretty light-eyed lady, of which I didn't think any existed, according to what he said when running into Shallan in last week's chapter. So, what's up with this? Or anywho, uh, so, you know, Graves is like, Moash tells me you're a surgeon. Well, you're going to have to amputate the king off the land. And Kaladin's like, I'll think about it. And then he leaves. And he doesn't promise Moash that he's actually going to think about it, but he thinks about it a little bit. And that's the end of chapter 46. Uh, so there was a uh, a character mentioned that you didn't bring up. Danlan. Nope. In, huh? in Numuhuku, uh, Numuhuku Makiaki Ayalunamore's story. Uh, yeah. That, that, that character. Uh, uh, someone who climbs out, climbs out of the sacred pool. Oh, is it Galadon? No, it, it's... It's Hoyd. Raiden? It's Hoyd? Yeah. It's, Sounds it's Hoyd. Yeah, the god of mischief. Rock's like, <laughs> I've seen him before. Uh, I don't remember reading about that. Or I missed it. Uh, Dang so, it. So then, by extension, uh, what what's that What's that hot spring? Uh, perpendicularity? There you go. Ah. That's why I guessed Galadon, but I meant Raiden. Although, Galadon is a world hopper, right? Yeah, Sewell. Galadon was in the last book. Uh, yep. Where where Raiden, to the best of my knowledge, still hanging out in Elantris. Yep. He's got busy kinging to do. Mm-hmm. And a baby on the way, or possibly already there. Who knows? We haven't checked back in with him ever. 
Yeah, I mean, Brandon. his book his book left off on a wink fade out, so he he could definitely have kids on the way. Well, the Hope of Elantris story, uh, Serene was pregnant. Uh, she was. She was. I don't. I thought that book took place like in the middle of Elantris. The before they met. There's a framing story where um, uh, Serene's okay. talking to her Sion and asking him. No, Rayadin sits down to dinner. And it's like, where's my wife? And Sion is like, she's going to be late because of pregnancy things. And she says to remind you, it's your fault. And Rayden's like, oh, well, why don't you tell me the story of what you were doing during the um, battle at the end of the book? And <laughs> that's how it goes. Okay. Yeah, that. Anyway, yes. Serene is officially pregnant in Hope of Elantris. And she's been I've, pregnant for like 20 years. Yeah, I have no idea where that is on the timeline compared to like these other books. Mm. So there's a timeline. There is. Maybe I'll get to see it someday. Maybe What's we'll get to see of... it someday, too. <laughs> oh. <laughs> OK, uh, so the, the basic uh, information that may not still be accurate that I know of is that up to Alloy of Law, uh, everything takes place roughly sequentially. Um, after Alloy of Law, we skip to we skip back to Words of Radiance, which um, the the first five books of Stormlight officially take place before um, Mistborn Era Two. I don't know how close before, like what the what the time frame is there, because there's a three hundred year gap between Mistborn Era One and Mistborn Era Two, but it's somewhere in there. Hmm. And again, that information could be outdated and is and might now be incorrect. Hmm. So next chapter. Oh yeah, uh, there was another chapter, chapter forty-seven, feminine wiles. Why does every map argue with its fellows? Oath gates. Shallan will not draw Sabario like one of her French ladies. Bata. <laughs> Bata is a Dunard. Shallan gets ready for her date in thirty. 30- Thus ruining my suspension of disbelief. True. It's true. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were having a uh, a brief conversation before the episode recording, and I literally just turned on my webcam for a second to see if the stain on my shirt was really obvious, and it was. Uh, and and Mike tried to get on camera, and Tori was like, I need a little more notice before I can get on camera. And I'm like, huh. But that has nothing to do with this book, which is why we didn't record that conversation. But... If you're a patron, you get to hang out with us uh, for a few minutes before the episode starts, and you get to see all the behind-the-scenes stuff. And for some unknown amount of time after, for Tory time. Yeah. Where I, don't, I didn't even know about Tory time, because I'm not a patron. Where, where Tory gets to talk uninterrupted by us mean, mean boys. Yep, that's true. All right. Are Tory time spoilers? Well, it happens after spoiler time, so that's probably why you've missed it. But um, sometimes we talk about spoilers. There was one. There was one instance of Tory time where it was just me and the the patrons talking about Rhythm of War after we had all finished it. So that was very spoilery. I can imagine that one could have been before I had finished. I think I'm like the last person to have finished the book. It's true. You are. that? No. Okay. Besides Dave. No. <laughs> All right, chapter 47. Shalon's looking at some old maps that Yasna has collected. And, uh, you know, she's trying to find this city of Urtheru. And it's 
in a different place on all these different ancient maps that she has. And she's like, how come none of these maps are consistent? And uh, obviously, Erythru is a floating city that just flies by in the sky. So whenever people record the maps, it's like, oh, Erythru is right there at the time I'm recording this map. So that's where we're going to put it on the map. Possibly even the people that uh, make the maps don't realize that Erythru is mobile. Maybe not even like in the sky. Maybe it's like a caravan town. Or it could be uh, have something to do with these oath gates, which are some kind of like teleportals. And maybe they just mark the teleportal on the map and label it as Erythru. Or maybe the people that use the oath gates don't even realize that they're being transported somewhere. So there you go. Uh, that's why Erythru is not consistent across all the maps. Dave Theory. I mean, those posted. sounded like Dave Theories, but I don't see them in the Dave Theory channel. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll type something up uh, this week. Don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, so uh, what if, to expand on your floating city theory, uh, what if Erythru is actually on one of the moons? How many moons are there? Uh, three, I think. Is that right? Correct. Yeah. And we got uh, on one of the moons. Okay. At, at one point, I thought we got some stories about the moon. We may not have gotten there yet. You know, it could be that uh, the oath gates are perpendicularities that take you to the moon. Maybe Erythru is actually a planet. Hmm. That would be pretty nuts. Now you're just calling Erythru fat. <laughs> well, it does have its own orbit. Well, if it's a planet. I don't know. Hmm. That would be interesting. Like, if Erythru were its own planet, then it would presumably have its own shard or shards as well. Uh, but I imagine that there's some kind of transporting through the cognitive realm to get to Erythru. Something to do with these oath gates. Uh, could be floating in the sky or could just be, like, really far away. And actually, the only way to get to it is through an oath gate. It could be on Draenor, for all I know. And then they just have to find the dark portal and Thrall was there, and Arthas was there, and Jaina was there. Oh, we are not prepared for that crossover. <laughs> it has been uh, far too long since I paid attention to uh, to Warcraft lore to follow along with, like, half of that. I, that was an Illidan Stormrage quote I did just now. Okay. You are not prepared! <laughs> yep been way too long i got i got no warcraft lore left in me maybe i'll pop in the wow classic when they get the burning crusade running i don't know i that's, actually that's, just... that's right up there with animal crossing in the game that i cannot <laughs> play because i won't be able to quit i just gotta re-invite to ff14 and i think i can't progress until i do some raid quests so... oh my gosh another one i cannot play no <laughs> So I've been doing crafting dailies with uh, all the materials I buy on the auction board. Wouldn't um, I, I like my wood gathering class is level sixty now, and I can't even get I can't even access level fifty to sixty zones. So like literally, I just have been buying stuff off the auction house to turn in daily quests and level up my botany. And it's now it's now my botany level is a full expansion ahead of where my actual like disciple of war regular play the actual game class is and that's the end of chapter 47 <laughs> um all right so patterns like pattern sneaks up uh and takes a little uh 
peep on Sabariel's PP and he's like, Well, you won't you won't draw nudes for me. And she's like I think there's apparently like she used to draw nudes of the maids when she was growing up if she promised to destroy the drawings afterwards. You know, because that's how most people train, you know, to become better at drawing. But uh you know, Shalan has uh a little bit of propriety and has never drawn a nude male before. Um, but you know, uh pattern's just a little curious is all. And so that scene's over. She talks to Vita and she calls him a dunnard, which I think is a great. This is a great in-world term because it sounds kind of like dullard, but it's derived from the the word dun, which is a sphere that's lost its stormlight. So like ah dunnard, I like this word a lot. So I wrote it down. And then Shalon's like, oh boy, my my date with Adeline's in thirty minutes. Time to get ready, which includes taking a bubble bath, so there's no freaking way she's getting ready, including a bubble bath in thirty minutes. Yeah, that one that one does seem unlikely. <laughs> um and that's it for chapter forty seven. So wouldn't burning adding Burning Crusade ruin the point of WoW Classic? No. Nah, I don't know. Maybe they'll keep vanilla servers too. I've I i do not know what they're doing. Okay. I don't have anything else for, for chapter forty seven. I love Pattern's whole thing about the nudes and how Shalon is so horrified that he's even thinking about it. Pattern's like, you know, there's really not that much difference between men and women. And she's like, no, no, cannot be having this conversation. Yep. Yep. And that's the end of chapter 47. Yep. All right. Chapter 48. No more weakness. Three years ago. Lewd joke. Wickham and Kaladin have the same favorite leaf. Jushu is broke. Father roared. A dark-eyed man does math. Shalon tries to logic sprint. Mother was murdered. Daddy monster. There you go. Uh, so three years ago, Shalon tells a dirty joke, and she gets a laugh out of her brothers, and now she's uh, corrupt forever. <laughs> so, anywho, uh, so she's uh, having pasty time, and her brother Jushu comes back from being prodigal son, uh, but his dad disowns him. He's like. Nope, his dead is his problem. Take him away. Do what you will with him. And Shalon is like, Brothers, uh, give me your knife so I can <clears throat> trade it to get Jushu back. But she does actually mean to use it to trade. I, I thought she was going to, quote, trade with the knife. But she actually literally wants to go and trade them in along with her necklace. And Jushu owes about 100 emerald bromes. She has a knife from each of her other two brothers, each worth 20 emerald brooms and a necklace worth 10. And the uh, the uh, the goon that's coming to take Jushu away adds him up in his head. He's like, yeah, that's about half of what he owes. And uh, I thought men were only allowed to do math if they were ardent. But maybe the dark guys don't follow the same uh, so social constructs. I don't know. But anyways... All right, so she gets mercy from the goon, and uh, her dad yells at her once in this chapter, and he's like, oh, go to your room and stay there." And but you know, she went out to meet with the with the slave or with the uh, debt collectors, we'll call them. She goes out to meet with the debt collectors uh, before going to her room, thinking up this like uh, smart aleck. Oh, you didn't tell me to go straight to my room, ha 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 ha. But then like. He 
Mame's uh, serving lady on the way to the room. She's like, eh, probably shouldn't use that one. And her dad doesn't take any culpability for his violent actions. Uh, that's pretty bad. He's like, people disobey me and I get angry. It's not really my fault. Uh, uh, pretty, it's pretty your fault, dude. And uh, we also get straight from Shalon's lips while she's talking to the debt collectors that her mother was murdered. Uh, divine passive. We don't know who the subject of the sentence is. Thank you very much. So who murdered her mother? Maybe it was Shalon. Maybe it was her dad. Maybe it was Shalon. And her dad's <laughs> a monster. And that's the end of chapter 48. Shalon gets grounded. Also, Wickham had was saving this uh, black bane leaf in order to poison their dad. And he's like, I've been holding on to this because I heard the longer you keep it, the more potent the poison is. And I think Kaladin actually said something similar, like when the leaf dries out, the potion become, or the uh, poison becomes more potent. Uh, yep. And then w Wickham's like, you're, you're doing good work, Shalon. Here's the poison leaf. Destroy it for me. And she doesn't. There you go. Some good backstory. I liked it. Well, you know, the... The uh, the rule of Chekhov's poison leaf, right? <laughs> nope. Yep. If if you someone's going to drink tea tonight, if you introduce a a poison leaf on a mantle in Act One, then by <laughs> Act by Act Three, somebody has to shoot that poison leaf. This isn't. You mean like with a needle? This isn't Act One though. This is halfway through the book. We're almost done Part One. If you're reading along in the British version, like I am. We have, well, I think, one one more chapter left in part one. Technically, Black Bane Leaf was introduced back in an early part, back in part one, I think, of Way of Kings. And then we never got a payoff for it, so... Yeah, before Kaladin even gets to the Shattered Plains, right? Mm-hmm. And that was present Kaladin. That wasn't part of Kaladin backstory, so it would have been pretty early on, yeah. Actually, it was, like, I think before we even learned Sulfrena's name. Uh, yeah. It was while he was... Like it was one of his first scenes on the on the slave cart, I think. Like there was the guy with the cough, and Tavlakov uh, has one of his dudes bash his head in, and Kaladin's mad, so he slaps the bar, and he had the leaf in his hand, and it crumbles, and it's gone. Whoops. Yeah. Well, you pretty much have to crumble the leaf, I think. So I don't have anything for chapter forty-eight besides that, Tori. Just that Shalon's dad is scary. Oh yeah, indeed. Uh, all right, so chapter 49? Chapter, wow, 49. Watching the world transform. Restaurant at the end of the calm before the storm. What if you need to poop? Breeding chasm fiends. Peace negotiations start tomorrow. Storm. Chocolate time! So this chapter takes place mostly, if not completely, with uh, Shalon's date with Adeline. And they are eating dinner on a balcony that is facing the origin of storms. And the idea is like, oh, people get a thrill from watching the storm approach. And then they run and hide behind, you know, in, indoors right before the storm hits. And it reminded me of the restaurant at the end of the universe from Douglas Adams' Hitchhiker series, which, which literally, um, I don't know if this counts as a spoiler, but... The restaurant is not geographically at the end of the universe. It is chronologically at the end of the universe and is in a time loop of like the last few hours before the universe explodes. And <laughs> so it's kind of funny. Well, so it's like, ah, I guess it's a play on words. 
So, so this is this really reminded me of that concept of restaurant at the end of the universe. I mean, I I would not doubt it even a little bit if uh, if this is exactly what Brandon was going for was you know basically let's let's remake that but with high storms. <laughs> I'm sad Craig isn't here. He's a Hitchhikers fan. So they're at this restaurant. Adeline orders some wine, and Shalon starts uh, trying to be all prim and proper and be like the you know the typical late-eyed lady, ah ha ha ha, and being all like flirtatious and like she reads in stories and how she's expected to act to act societally. And Adeline starts telling a story about um, one of his chasm runs where he got separated from his father and he basically had to fend off the parshendi by himself and um <laughs> it's just it's written so perfectly to this this kind of break where shalon says he's expecting me to ask what happens next and then like the very next line of the book is what if you need to poop <laughs> <laughs> it was just like it caught me off guard in the way that it caught Adeline off guard. And I just thought it was brilliant writing, just like the flow and just coming to a complete stop right there and turning around at that point. And then uh, well done, Brandon. I liked it. Yeah. This, this um, exchange leads to my single favorite line in the entire series, which is I posted it in quotes from episodes. Oh yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that line breaks the rule. I I stopped for and reread that sentence several times, and I don't know. I wanted to repeat it, but I wanted to play it safe for the podcast. Go ahead, I'll <laughs> I'll I'll be I'll bleep you. Okay. So yes, I Adeline Colin, cousin to the king, heir to the Colin princedom, have myself in shard plate three times, all on purpose. Best line. Uh, yeah, that was that's a fantastic line. <laughs> Best line in the whole series. Like there, there are many good lines. Don't don't get me wrong. There are many, many, many extremely good lines. This one is the best for me. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty good. It was, I, I I do really like the fact that not only is Shalon being herself, but she's bringing this out in Adeline as well, right? Like he wouldn't have said that to Anne, right? <laughs> I mean, but, he yeah, might have if if they asked. And like she got him, she got him to break script basically. Like he's been on this date a thousand times already. Yeah, he's he's told... he even like starts the next line of the story before realizing that she asked him about poop. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So you know they're having a good time, and then she's trying to uh, get some field work done on the shattered planes, and Adeline you know, promises to, you know, try to get her to come along um, on a chasm run. Hopefully catch a uh, catch a chasm fiend before it pupates so she can get a good memory of it. Uh, and also she is, really needs to talk to Lady Navani. Uh, but of course, Navani doesn't want to talk to Shalon because Shalon represents the end of her daughter Yasna. Uh, so she's reluctant to meet with her, but Adeline also promises to try to, you know, get a meeting between Shalon and Navani. And then the storm comes, and then they run inside, and uh, the men and the women are sitting away from each other on the inside part of the dining. And 
Uh, yeah, none of the other light eyes uh, really like Shalon. I can't imagine why. And uh, so she decides not to worry about what her peers think, and she eats some dessert instead. Good choice. I'm all for that. And Shalon also brings up some really good points about what the constant slaughtering of uh, of chasm fiends while they're pupating is likely doing to the population. Mm-hmm. Like the buffaloes, sort of, maybe. But yeah, so they don't want to, uh, you know, they don't want to massacre the population of chasm fiends. She suggests breeding them and farming them, basically. Well, killing them while they're pupating means that they never reach adult stage and don't get a chance to breed. Right. Which, uh, I don't know if, if you've ever studied, like, any sort of, you know, natural Ecology. science. Ecology, biology, anything in that neighborhood. Uh, that's bad. Like, if you don't want the population of that species to drop to zero, that is a bad thing to do. Yeah, they have to reproduce. Uh, Tori, you should say all that out loud. I will not. Please. Mike will do it. All right, here's what Tori typed out and is now being a coward and will not say out loud. <laughs> I just can't stop laughing long enough to say it. <laughs> because you've just got to do secret stuff sometimes in your shard plate. Shard plate? I'll stop now. So. Yep. <laughs> uh, yep. So then my question is, why does it take Shalon to think of this? <laughs> because it takes Vin to think of adding up all the numbers and finding that they're divisible by 16. I don't know. Uh, I mean, uh, obviously the men aren't going to think of it. I mean, let's be real. <laughs> okay, but... Navani or Yasna, you know, likely would have come up with the idea. That's true. Like, I get why Navani doesn't. You wouldn't yet because you haven't really gotten to spend much time with her, but her her thing is, uh, is mechanical engineering. Yeah. Um, but... These aren't the only people here. Like, basically, the, yeah. the bulk... They basically have a city. Yeah, like, right. the the bulk of the nobility from Alethkar is here at the Shattered Plains. Uh, the women are all, if if they're, you know, following along their, their supposed gender roles, uh, you know, the bulk of them should be scholars of some sort. Like, that's that's one of the, the highest acceptable pursuits for, for light-eyed ladies. Is, is scholarship. There are ardents that should be, you know, should have brought up this point years ago. You know, there are there are people who should have thought of this before Shalon idly considers it while drinking wine, you know? Yeah, maybe people have thought of it, but because of politics, haven't mentioned it to anybody else. All right, Dave, say that out loud also. Shattered planes. Nah, nah, nah. Say what you actually <laughs> wrote. Turd... Planes. There we go. Got a <laughs> lot of bleeping to do this episode, but I think it's worth it. Uh, Alright, I don't think I have anything else for this one. Nope, I don't have anything else either. Well, I need to go make something that drop in my shard plate. I am real hungry, you guys. Okay, so Dave's gonna go <laughs> away, and we're gonna go to spoiler time. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Dave. Bye, Dave. <laughs> Dave's gone. Play the thing. This concludes the spoiler-free section of our podcast. If you are, as I am, reading along for the first time, we recommend that you stop listening now, as the following will contain spoilers for not only this book, but for other Cosmere books as well. There may also be general spoilers from any other source material. Spoilers begin now. All right. Uh, any more poop jokes before we move on to actual spoiler time? 
Oh my gosh, we had nudity jokes and poop jokes in this episode. It was it was a good episode. This is this is what happens when Shalon isn't actually putting effort into trying to be clever. Oh, my cat just woke up and yelled at me. I heard it. I heard it. She's going to go back to sleep immediately, but she got I, up. I had to make her presence known first. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, I guess first off, do we have anything fun in the epigraphs? Um, I don't even remember what they were. Uh, are they still talking about the different orders of knights? Yeah. So there's one about the edge dancers uh, causing consternation and terror, which I think is a joke about Lyft. Doesn't it also say something about how they're they're noble and graceful and yada yada? And deadly, yes. Oh, also, and, they were the most we articulate and refined of the Radiance. That, that's the one I was thinking of. Which technically Lyft is, uh, in that she adjusts her speech sort of automatically to match whoever she's talking to. Except uh, with, like, high-level nobility, because she doesn't want to. I will never get over her calling Dalinar tight butt. Uh, that's up there. Like, talking about great lines, like, that's up there. Uh, in, in more serious terms, there's, you know, honor is dead, I'll see what I can do. Coming up later in this book, possibly in this section, I think. I think the end of this, of part three, is is when we get the, the, big, the big duel, isn't it? I don't know. I think the chasm happens first. That should be coming soon. Because she talked about going out on her on the planes. No, no, no. It's the it's the duel first. Is yeah. the duel first? Yes. I'm I'm looking over the chapter overview on the copper bind, and yeah, yes, the duel happens. Kaladin guards his cell for a month. Adolin guards his own cell with you know perfumes and baths. So what else do we have in the epigraphs? Uh, light weavers basically are bards, and they do a bunch of different art stuff. And they have varied mnemonic abilities. So that's not exactly new information for us. Uh, all right. So did, didn't we talk about uh, Shalon's taking a memory ability, um, whether that's part of her radiant powers or just something she has? Seems uh, like it's part of her radiant powers. Yeah. it's So this would be a sort of a, a leftover thing from her bond with Testament, likely. Um, but it is one of many different ways it can manifest for Lightweavers, apparently. Because as we see in Rhythm of War, um, they all have like different artistic abilities and do things in different ways. And some ways work for some of them and don't work for others. Oh, and uh, regarding my misdirection to Ruse on the Moon uh, thing, we get... I feel like we get too much info about the moons to not actually have something relevant happen on at least one of them. Right, and I know Hoyt tells a story about the moon. Was it Hoyt telling the story about the moons? I think so. It might be later in this book. Yeah, I remember that happens. I don't remember if we've got there yet or because I reread Oathbringer right before Rhythm of War and then there was Rhythm of War. It's in Oathbringer. Thank you, Texas. Okay. Um, Who was he telling the story to? That is a good question. Texas Blade knows all the things. In the city, on the street. Okay. Uh, yeah, so... Oh, wait, is that when Shalon is on her way to the palace or and sees Hoyd performing on the street? Yes. Okay, thank you, Texas. Okay, 
So yeah. I Boyd love tells... our live listeners telling us what we're getting wrong and yeah. keeping us on the straight and narrow. It's and extremely you can join helpful. them. You can join them if you visit our Patreon page and uh, then you can go to our Discord from there. Patreon.com slash CosmereCast. C-O-S-M-E-R-E-C-A-S-T. Um, yeah. What else? What else? What else happened? So we got Kaladin goes out drinking. Uh, yes. And in the Kaladin chapter, um, you do see the beginnings of um, him breaking his oath. Um, you can tell that Sil can feel it. It's very subtly done. But uh, after he has that conversation with uh, Graves and the others, um, Sil is very uncomfortable. Uh, did we get a name for Pete before this chapter? I do not know that. Because I feel like we have, you know, approximately 30 members of Bridge 4, and then maybe 10 of them have actual characters, and then Brandon can just sort of add a name to the pool with some minor characterization just sort of whenever, if he needs a new Bridgeman. And how well done is that, that we don't even question it when one shows up and we're like, ah, must have missed it. Until, uh, you know, the... The Lopin's like, yeah, it's my cousin, because Kaladin doesn't even know. <laughs> yeah, the Lopin has more cousins, which was one of the things that Dave pointed out. Yeah, he does, Dave. You have no idea. But if you if you define it that way, then everyone's your cousin. Yeah, Gancho, you're getting it. Uh, oh yeah, Pattern translates the Dawn chant. Just, just does. Yeah, and we don't hear about that again? Really? Translating the Dawn chant turns out to be a big deal later. Yeah. And I don't think Dave realized that it actually was a big deal. I thought Shallan actually like brought up that that it was, but I guess yeah. it just sort of yeah. gets. Yeah, she freaks out about it. Yeah. Uh, then we have the. We need a name oh, wait, for wait. the the Don Chant thing. Okay. And and Shallan's like, "You're translating the Don Chant," and Pattern's like, "Um, it's a pattern." Uh, yeah, guys. As a former linguistics person, language is a pattern, and. That was one of the things that fascinated me about studying linguistics is um, our professor would throw a phrase at us in a foreign language and she would point out, okay, look, here's the subject of the sentence and here's the verb and here's how you conjugate that verb. Now I'm going to give you another sentence and you're going to translate it and we were able to do it. it it's like once you, once you know the pattern of the language, the, the whole thing is laid bare for you and you can understand it. And it it just blew my mind the way that worked. So linguistics is a very fun subject, and y'all should study it if you get a chance. Uh, all right. We need Dave to come up with a name for younger Shallan. Right, because we had Kaladink. Yep, we had Kaladink. Now we need something for Shallan. I have no idea. I, this is this is 100% Dave's realm, and I need him to step up to the plate here. Cause he no, hasn't wait, yet. I've got it. I've got it. I've got it. Okay. Shalittle. All right, that'll yeah, that'll work for now. We'll see if Dave can come up with something better. But so we have a Shalittle chapter, uh, which is yeah, more more Breaking Bad ricin. Which uh, man, how you've seen Breaking Bad, right? No. Really? It just seemed like something I wouldn't enjoy. You probably would though. It's really good. I I'm really not good with antiheroes. I'm such a goody two shoes. Like as soon as we're like, we're gonna break the law on purpose. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I mean, yeah, Walter White you, is you know the how, worst, but you know how 
some people, they can't watch certain comedies because of the secondhand embarrassment problem. Oh, yeah, I can't watch The Office. I won't. Um, I I can't watch people breaking the law like that because of the secondhand, oh, but it's wrong. Like, and I just, I'm so uncomfortable the whole time. So, like, yeah, let's let's cook some meth and then sell it for money. It, mm, no, that doesn't appeal to me at all. I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, anyway... The, the but you were gonna make a Breaking Bad reference. I'll I try to understand it. Uh, they introduce like really early on um, this this concept of ricin poisoning, uh, which gives you flu-like symptoms for a few days and then you die. And it's like untraceable, super poison, hooray! Uh, it gets introduced in either season one or like really early season two, and then never gets used until the very very end on a character that I don't even think really needed to be killed like there there was there was really no purpose to it i mean clearly the purpose to it was to bring the whole rice and poisoning thing home yeah because the because they hadn't paid it off the entire time but then like to to have that much set up for that long and then the payoff be oh yeah we just remembered that this was a thing and we need to use it otherwise people are going to be upset like it was it was no bueno uh, and then we, we have Blackbane, which is that, basically. Except when it gets used later, we're, we're looking forward to it. Uh, we have two people that Blackbane has been used on over the course of four books, and one of them, it didn't kill them. So look forward to that. Yeah. Uh, anywho, uh, Shallan's home life sucks, basically. Like, that's the bullet point for this chapter. Shallan's home life sucks. And her dad is a violent, abusive jerk who may or may not have been a violent, abusive jerk before he spent years and years and years terrified that his daughter would murder him. But we don't know. We do not know. And if we do get a flashback chapter from Shallan from that far back, we might not be able to trust it because her her memories are not trustworthy. I wonder if she will start to remember it more thoroughly as she repairs her relationship with Testament. Uh, likely. I I suspect we're going to get a decent amount of that in the next book. We kind of have to, don't we? Because the back five is going to shift focus to a whole new set of characters, right? That's what I hear. So, like, we kind of need to we kind of need to clean up the loose ends on our on our prime five here in the next book. Uh, so now we're on the last chapter of the week, watching the world transform, which is the Winehouse, where. Shallan reaches conclusions that it shouldn't have taken Shallan to conclude. I'm still a little bit salty about that. Well, there don't seem to be a lot of naturalists wandering around. Why not? I know, good question. Like, apparently in this world, it's the equivalent of Darwin is literally the only person on Earth who has ever studied this. Effectively, right? Well... I don't know. Think back to at the time when Darwin was doing it, it wasn't a very common subject. That's why it was so... That That's why we still remember Darwin. Okay, but he also wasn't literally the only one. He might have been the only that's one that, that had, like, that's a travel true. budget. But, like, he wasn't the only person studying, you know, this subject matter. But just, ah, frustrating. Uh, Hey, what's your favorite line in the series? Ooh... I really do like Honor is Dead, but I'll see what I can do. It's quite good. Uh, I would say there's also Honor is Not Dead, so long as he lives in the hearts of men, 
if I'm if I'm not butchering that. I think I I think I got it slightly off. Um, probably also I did mention in Rhythm of War. Um, we chose that's a very powerful line. I think that was good. Uh, there's the whole you know the girl who looked up. Which I'm looking forward to that picture book. I really am. Yep. Um, I mean, all of Hoyd's stories are, are a lot of fun. The dog and the dragon. Yes. Every line from that is is a best line in the series contender. Yeah, and the bit where Hoyd's sprint is doing the running commentary the whole time. Oh yeah. Uh, and oh, and whenever Hoyd just gets fed up with Roshar and how like none of his none of his language works because everywhere else in the universe has like normal animals. So like no one on Roshar knows what a dog is. And, and he's like, Oh, it's, you take something slimy and gross and you take away the slimy and the gross. And that's a dog. Yeah. Those are great lines. So I think I'm out. I think I'm, I think I'm yeah. done. With... Yeah. Spoiler time is so short when we don't have Craig with us. I'm sure it'll be triple length next week when he's back. Right, because he'll be like, oh, but I want to talk about this thing that I should have been present for last week, Craig. And Craig doesn't listen back to the episode, so he won't know that we're talking trash about him. Oh, this is cute. In the chat, Himija says, My family referred to our Christmas dinner as the chicken after I explained Roshar. It was duck. And and yes, uh, I do that in in just regular life. All birds are chickens now. There's there's that flock of intelligent black chickens that uh, that hangs out. There's there's water chickens. There's well, Thanksgiving I, I chickens. Well, I started to say I started to say it all tastes like chicken, but I told you my husband's been duck hunting a lot lately, and duck does not taste like chicken. Uh, that's what I understand. I, I've never had duck, but I watch a lot of cooking shows, and it tastes like steak. It really does. Yeah, duck is a really common. Um, meat for like fancier cooking shows uh at because one... it's basically steak maybe uh at one point binging with babish did a uh duck egg carbonara okay i bet the eggs taste like regular eggs though uh maybe maybe not he uh what did he do he like took a duck egg yolk like several of them and like dried them out and hardened them to to grate on onto the thing but and like he he had he made duck bacon for the carbonara it because his his then girlfriend I think current wife I think they got married um, just loved duck and loved carbonara and wanted him to make duck carbonara so he did and it turned out really good apparently that sounds amazing and I do have a lot of duck in my freezer right now so yep and Hamija just linked just, the just recipe linked yep love our live listeners. And, okay, uh, but related to the chapters that we read, I don't have anything else. Okay. Um, one of the other cooking channels, I watched Sorted Food as one of their... I don't even remember if it... Was it like a pass it on or or what? They One of the guys cooked pigs in a blanket uh, in duck fat. Duck fat makes everything good. So I hear, but yeah. Apparently it was just amazing, so... Alright, uh, I think we'll end it here. I think we're done. Yes, I think we are. I think we've been done and we've just continued to talk. That's fair. I think I have a lot of editing to do for myself for this later, and that's going to be fun for future Mike. Sorry, future Mike. Yeah, sorry, future Mike. All right, bye. Good night, Internet. This has been the Cosmere Deep Dive Podcast. Follow us on Twitter 
at at CosmereCast or like us on Facebook. Our theme music is Traveling Made Up Continents by Gillicuddy, used with permission. Hear more from him at the Free Music Archive. Thanks for listening. Thank you.